Hi, and welcome to episode 168 of No Crying in Baseball, the Hello 2021 episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Happy New Year. Hey there. Happy New Year. It feels good, doesn't it, to be on the other side, to be on that 2021? It sure does. And hey, I had the opportunity to write the wrong year, but I, got, I wrote the correct year. And you know, this is, this is the most 2020 thing to do. Who writes checks anymore? Nobody. So guess where I had to write a date? COVID test paperwork. Oh, excellent. Yeah, but I got the date right. So I thought oh. that was just sort of, um, yep, this is telling. This is it. Yep. I had to click it when I was finalizing my lesson. So I'm really glad we're podcasting right now, by the way, because I'd be going fucking crazy because I go back to work tomorrow. I had this lovely week off. So I've, I was, of course, like setting all my lessons to be available tomorrow. And I had to keep clicking that 2021 and retyping it. So that that felt good. But the the lesson part's not so good. Not excited for this. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're good at what you do. I try hard, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. It's yeah, it, it's been a, just a fucked up year. It's just weird. I'm glad that there are distractions. I'm glad that we have this. I'm glad for Dominican baseball, which is what I was doing right up until we started recording. And I actually left the Toros and the Aguilas in the bottom of the eighth, and it was not looking pretty for the Aguilas, unfortunately. But what? But you have boyfriends playing. Right. So this is the thing. I, I, you know, in my heart, I'm rooting for the Aguilas, but there is one Toro that I am partial to, and that would be Jamer Candelario because I just picked him a couple of weeks ago. If you want to hear more about Jamer, go back um, two weeks, I think, when we were talking about the Tigers. And so I got to see him play and I watched him walk. He walked very nicely. I actually watched him uh, get a single <laughs> earlier and he is rocking a 429 average right now. Very nice. If only points in the Dominican League counted for our for our boyfriend league, yeah, you would have quite the head start, right? But there, therefore, he's he's got a good grounding. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. I know Ta Fernando Tatis finally got his home run after getting out for like nine at bats or something like that. But I think it will be the first of many. So Dominican ball is happening. We'll talk about that more later. On today's show, the Red Sox hire the first black woman coach in the Major League Baseball. San Diego's got their game face on, man. They are not messing around. We're going to do some cross-training with the NWHL. We've got boyfriends from the Mets and the Angels. And as always, we've got international baseball. Hey, Red Sox. I can't tell you how happy I am right now to be talking about this. This is the first like happy Red Sox news that we have been doing since the World Series of 2018. And that didn't last too long because then that whole <laughs> cheating scandal, I got depressed about that. I got depressed about Cora. I got depressed about Verdugo. And it's just been very difficult since then for me to feel great about the Red Sox. And, you know, we have Red Sox shit all over the house. Like it's all, all around me. The Red Sox have done something really wonderful. They hired Bianca Smith as a minor league hitting coach. And the more I find out about her, the more I absolutely adore her. She should totally be one of our baseball girlfriends. She's my height. She is barely like five feet on a good day if you stand up good and do your yoga kind of person. And that's exactly where I'm at. She's the first black woman professional coach in major league, major league baseball, which is why it hit the news because yeah, there are lots of coaches hired all the time, but this is a first and it's always good I don't know. It feels like to, it's good to say like it's good to get these first over with because then they're going to be not a big deal because then there will be more. 
super excited. And she has a fascinating past. So she played softball and baseball both all through high school and also into college. That's unusual. That's it is. really unusual. Wow. Y- yep. And I think it was because she loved baseball, but you know, you got to have the softball for, for the college. And she went to Dartmouth. Um, no slouch there. She played softball at Dartmouth and continued to play club baseball while she was at Dartmouth and managed the Dartmouth boys varsity baseball team. So after Dartmouth, after graduation, when she was in grad school at Case Western, Ohio, right? Yep. Cleveland. She was a, a grad assistant and director of baseball operations while she was getting two degrees, her law degree in sports law and an MBA in sports management. Damn, so, Bianca. I know. Can can you? I just can't imagine what it is like to go through that kind of studies. And she is thinking so far ahead because she said when she becomes general manager, she wants to have that law background so that she doesn't have to have hire lawyers to help her understand the players' contracts. I think I'm in love. I am totally astounded by this woman. So after that, she was assistant coach for a while at University of Dallas, interned for the Rangers and the Reds in baseball operations. And when she was with the Reds, which was the second one, she realized she wanted to get into coaching. And she sent out emails to everybody in the organization saying, like, how can I shift over to coaching? She started hanging out. Like, as soon as she got her office work done, she would be down at the field watching the players and studying what they were doing and trying to get onto the field. And I'm trying to remember who it was, but somebody finally invited her on the field. And basically, she kept doing that and helped with batting practice and worked with the guys And uh, it was Scooter Jeanette who went up to her and said, like, what are you doing? Like, didn't get it, you know, innocently sort of said, like, what's your job? What are you doing here? And she explained that she was with baseball ops. And the more he got to know her, the more he he pushed her toward toward the coaching. And both him and Joey Votto said really sweet things about her sort of being a, you know, a good coach out there working with the players and a real people person, which I think you have to be to get through all that. To be a good coach, for sure. Right. Right. And especially as a small woman to be out there, you know, throwing with the guys is just wild. Um, Then she got hired to be the assistant baseball coach and hitting coordinator at Carroll University in Wisconsin. And somehow the Red Sox found her there. And I think they are lucky because she is damn smart. She is young. She has an amazing attitude. And the the last thing I'm going to say is there's, there was this quote from her in one of the articles I read that said, oh, no, you know, I think she posted this. Anytime I get some negative feedback or somebody who doesn't believe in me and doesn't think I can do it, that's when I want to crack open another book and say, OK, well, I'm just going to get better and prove you wrong. Damn. Damn. Yeah. So are we going to start a new category like, you know, baseball coach boyfriends? So she right. can be the first one because, wow. Yeah. Yeah. She sounds great. She sounds great. So, uh, yay, Red Sox. Thank you for doing something good. (laughs) I never say this, but yay, Red Sox. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so San Diego are, wow, did they make pitching moves this week. The, The hot stove is only hot in one place, and that is San Diego, California right now. You Darvish was signed moments after the ink dried on Blake Snell's contract 
with the Padres. That's two aces in moments so fast. Crazy. Yeah. So they, they are making moves on the Dodgers, man. Dodgers better look in that rearview mirror because the Padres are coming up fast. Weirdly, you Darvish found out about his trade via Twitter, which I don't like so much. He seems to be okay with it now after his tearful goodbye with Chicago. He really loved being in Chicago. He said he's got his kids watching highlights of the Padres players on YouTube so that they can get excited about his new team. Oh, that is so cute. The one thing I was sad about to see with him is he cut his hair. One of the interviews, he had shorter hair. And I got to say, San Diego does not require that. So that's not on San Diego. No, no, not at all. So Blake Snell was also surprised. I don't think, you know, he found out in a weird way on social media or anything, but I think he didn't realize he was a trade chip. But he's also looking forward. I mean, he had a weird ending. Right. With Tampa Bay. What a sad thing to remember that the last time we saw him pitching for Tampa was him getting pulled. Yeah. The yeah. Of the World Series. Yep. So yeah. now he's got a chance to, you know, get a little revenge, right? You know, do what yeah. you do, do it well for somebody else. And he's excited. He says the Padres look fun and they are a swaggy team. So I think that's pretty exciting. So good on you, San Diego. And I think Potty Mouth and I may have to like do rock, paper, scissors for our pitching squads this year. I don't know. Oh, They're yeah. looking pretty that's attractive. That, yeah, that, we're definitely going to have to figure out how we, we flip a coin for the Padres or something like that. Right. Just, my tip my hat to Padres fans, though. You know, oh. last year was exciting. But, you know, even when we talked to our Hell's Bells friends, they were like, you want your first time to be special, right? That they That's didn't right. want their first time to be the 2020 season. So it seemed like 2020 was just like a hype show for them for this year. And damn, watch out. Uh, something else to look forward to, cross-training a little bit, NWHL Women's Hockey Man. They have got their act together in their sixth season. They put out there they're having an all-female officiating staff. I mean, why not? You know, like most male sports have all male officiating staffs. It's why not? It, and it's amazing that that's a big deal, but it is because most women's sports have a lot of men involved. Um, they are controlling. I didn't look at to the COVID details, but I just saw that it's a centralized, protected environment. I don't know how bubbly that makes it. Do you know about the NWHL bubble plans? No, I have not looked that up. That does sound not bubbly. That sounds like yeah. we're just going to be careful, but not keep people in a controlled place. Right. They're not going to, are they going to be, oh, they said centralized. Okay. So is that really one central location? I'm not sure. I'm wondering if it's like how um, the, the. I mean, there's only five teams. So, you know, I don't know. Isn't it? It's up to six now because of Toronto, the Toronto, right? I think so. Oh. I am behind on my on my hockey news. I apologize to the world. This is supposed to be my area, and I have been sleeping. I've been need, sleeping on the NWHL job. I am so excited about this. I totally want to get on it. And now that they're not only they're doing impressive stuff, but they're going to make it easier to watch. So it's going to be on NBCSN, which I don't even know what that is. But that's NBC a that's sports a, network. That's a real television station, right? And they're covering women's sports. So damn it, I got to figure out how to watch it. Yes, you do. And I got to pay attention because I get that. I can watch it. And I'm I'm a Riveters fan from way back. So that could be big fun. Yeah. Well, I know that the Boston Pride looks good. So. All right. I'm all right. It. I'm excited. Yay. Yay, hockey. Um, speaking of bubbles and not bubbles, MLB issued a statement on COVID vaccines. Um, all the professional sports leagues are starting to issue their statements. And what they're saying is what 
the commissioner's office said is vaccinations will only be made available to players when public health officials deem it appropriate, which means we're not jumping the line. We're waiting our turn. But interesting questions about when the like essential workers and the first line folks are done. And then there's a next group of people, mm-hmm. which is going to be millions and millions of people. Will they move to the top of that heap or not? And there are there are pros and cons to that, just like there were with the idea of MLB having test, you know, having COVID tests available that weren't necessarily available to the general public. One of them is, as we know, pro athletes are good can can be good role models. So seeing them getting vaccinations might help the general public who may be hesitant to do it. But That's also a really good point. But also it's like, okay, are they more worthy, like, you know, than anybody else in, you know, in the greater scheme? Mm-hmm. Also, there are questions about will they be required to be vaccinated? Like, will the union, you know, will the, will they get involved and say, no, you can't require anybody to? Or I know, and there's gonna be questions about, okay, how we want to fill the stands. This is baseball speaking here, Major League Baseball speaking. We want to fill the stands. What does that mean? What does that mean for the players getting vaccinated? What does that mean for waiting for fans to be vaccinated? What do we do? So it seems like a very parallel conversation is now being had to the one we had about testing. So stay tuned. We will report back when we know anything else. But so far, the official statement is a good one. We're going to leave it up to the public health organizations and not jump any lines. I, I like how you explain that too. So I don't have to get out, get down on anybody for no matter what. Basically, there's a, a good way to look at it. There's a positive light to shine. Gonna shine some positive lights on some guys. It's our baseball boyfriend time where we each pick one guy per team because there's something cool about them, something we connect with. And uh, we do not keep anybody from year to year except for one. And we've been working our way up from the bottom, meaning the teams with the worst record. And we are all the way up to the Mets and the Angels today. And I have a weird-ass theme. And it came up (laughs) as I was starting to poke around, but both of my guys have a lot in common. My theme today is 30-year-old family men with substantial time on the Tigers They had a bad year that led to a trade in the past. They're both heart and hustlers, which is that cool award by the by former players. And it's for the spirit of the game. So it's totally a boyfriend award. They had an abnormally impressive 2020. So I have a lot of hope for this year. They were both found by a new team for 21. So that it's a first time met and a first time angel. And here's where it gets weird. They both have a church connection. So I figured you started breaking rules last week. I'm I'm bending them because I don't usually go for the church kind of guys. One is a little bit of a pun, so I'll get that to a minute. But in both cases, it was their social media that sold me. So I'm going to start off with the, the most unlikely character for me, which is uh, James McCann of the Mets, who's a 30-year-old catcher. He was last with the White Sox and actually looked at him for the White Sox last year and turned him down for the reasons that I'll get to later, but just seemed to be the right time for this. He was a free agent and just recently, very recently, picked up by the Mets on a $4 million four-year contract. And he's been saying really good things. And this is what also drew me to him is he's been on social media a lot recently. I've noticed him 
being very excited about his new position and especially reaching out to the whole deal going going down with with Steve Cohen with having a new owner who is also out there on social media and interacting with fans and he even said you know that he's seen what Steve Cohen does on social media he's seen the excitement from the current players he said I didn't need any selling so he was pretty ready to go into it yeah he was really looked at sort of number two like a cheaper version of Real Muto like discount Real Muto and that's what that's what the Mets are hoping for because they didn't want to put up Real Muto dollars so he he spent most of his career on the Tigers from 2014 to 18 he was heart and hustle there in 2015 and then he had a really crappy 18 season which is understandable which i'll explain in a little bit but unfortunately the team didn't give him any leeway and he was non-tendered after that and and knowing why he had such a crappy year it makes me feel kind of bad he was picked up by the white Sox though and then had like a boomer comeback year in 2019 so that shows what you do when you don't stick by your man when he's down for a little while. So in 2019 was his all-star year. He was he had a 273 average. He got heart and hustle again. And then strangely, the White Sox picked up another catcher, Yasmani Grandella. And so he sort of split time with him in 20. So he was ready to go and be the, you know, be the star catcher again. My sign also that he was the one. I love this. Like, you know, he's your guy. He's my guy. He played with my ex-Met boyfriend or former Met boyfriend because I have nothing against him anymore. He's just not my guy. Uh, Jeff McNeil. They grew up together in California. They played youth baseball together. So who figured? He did not sign. He could have gone to play out of high school. He was actually drafted by the White Sox, his second team, in 2008, but decided to go study. So that's like a, I know you'll approve of him because of that and uh, valuing education. He went to University of Arkansas and he was picked junior year, second round draft of 2011 to the Tigers. So here's where, like, that's all that I love about. I could just stop now and pretend that I don't know anything else. But the the religion thing came up like heavy. Like he is super, super Christian, super, super religious to the point of no alcohol. So I cannot hang out and have a beer with him because he will not drink a beer. And that just sort of led me to this philosophical thing. Like, do I really need guys who drink? Like, what does that say about me? (laughs) So can I make this one exception? Like he and his religion has been important to him. And it makes sense because he had two two major events in his life, one from birth, where religion was a huge comfort. So in 2017, in December, his twins were born. So this is the off season before his bad year in 2018, right? So in the off season, December, he had twin boys born 10 weeks premature and were in the NICU. And he is a family guy and he was in the NICU with his wife and they were taking turns watching the babies. And fuck, so he couldn't train as well, you know, and it showed. And I think somebody should be backed up for that. But he talks a lot about how his faith in God got him through it. And it did. And that's, you know, power to them. So babies are both happy, normal, doing well. They're, I think, I don't know, I I can do math, three years old. (laughs) They would be three years old. I didn't even take notes on that. Um, And the, the best part of those kids is, 
he did a tweet of like the family lineup and he does the announcer and he has the kids standing there with their bat and he like does their like walk up intro and and it includes (laughs) like went through 10 weeks in the NICU and has the crowd cheering in the soundtrack and his wife is the last one and she looks fabulous. So power to them. The other uh, religious, probably like the fundamental religious experience was that he actually was a pregnancy that had very little chances of surviving. His mom's pregnancy had 25% chance of making it because there was a hole in the amniotic sac. And then even with that, there was a lower chance that there wouldn't be any serious damage. And he lived. So he's a miracle. So he believes in miracles. And I like this guy. He seems like like maybe we can go have a coffee together. We can get a cappuccino or something. I think that is an excellent way to sort of make up for the fact that there's not going to be a beer in your future with James McCann, but I think he'd be a great (laughs) conversation. He's going to be fun to watch. He's a good guy. He's going to be good. I also have a theme. So last week I broke rules. I broke rules. I was mercenary about Ryan Mountcastle. I picked him because he's great, not because I thought he would be terribly engaging to hang out with, even though in our conversation we thought, oh, maybe he would, maybe he would. So I'm atoning for that this week. Both of my guys this week are very, it's very important to them to give back at home in the places that they grew up. They both are very strong in bringing baseball opportunities to underserved communities, giving time, like showing up, like it being them that's helping, not I'm going to pay somebody else to have this good thing happen. It's, it's important that it's me. And also showing kids successful people who look like them. That's you know, that awesome. whole, if you see it, you can be a situation. Mm-hmm. They both are very into that. So first one is Dominic Smith of the Mets. We talked about him a bunch this summer, and we're going to talk about him some more right now. He got into the Mets to play first base, but there's a problem with that. Can you identify the problem with first base with the Mets? You know, I was wondering because I copied that to put it on our like all-time boyfriend list. I was like, first base, wait, Patty has a first base Mets guy. That was yeah. So, um, so Pete Alonso is, you know, has been like the first base guy for a little bit there. Um, he's also been playing, uh, Dominic Smith's also been playing left field because of this whole um, first base is often occupied situation. Mm-hmm. He's also been de-aging. He's only 25. I thought he was actually older. He is from Los Angeles and went to um, Junipero Sarah High School, who, which we've talked about before because it is a big sports school, right? Catholic private school, very good with the sports. When he was growing up, he slept with his mitt under his pillow. Oh, he, he wore his full Little League uniform to watch Angels games on TV, right? I mean, he was so in. He was so in. The neighborhood he grew up in was not a great neighborhood, right? So a lot of the neighbors, this is him describing it. There were gangs, a lot of drug activity, all kinds of stuff. Oh. And all the people who were involved in, as he said, those things knew who he was and kept him away. Like they knew that, that he had a shot at doing something else. He wasn't that kind of a kid and everybody like left him alone. So he, it, it wasn't one of those, you know, Hey, come out, hang out with a cool kids thing. It was, you've got your thing. We respect that. We're going to just go separate ways. He is a product. He is a success story of uh, major league baseball's reviving baseball in the inner cities program, the RBI program. That's how he came up. So it can work. It can work. Part of that, the travel team thing that he did with that, they ended up traveling to, you know, all over the place. And you end up in these very well-off neighborhoods, which with, as he called them, well-manicured ballparks and very nice facilities. And he and his friends from the neighborhood would say, why can't we have this? Why can't we have this? So put a pin in that for, you know, like three minutes from now. 
All right. So he was drafted in the first round of 2013, signed a $2.6 million signing bonus contract four days after turning 18 years old. His mom. Wow. Thank you notes to all the neighbors saying all those balls that ended up in your yards paid off. So like, thank you for your patience. Wow. At 18 with that kind of money, with that kind of background, that's amazing. Right. So So here's what he did. So he is actually, according to all, he's very um, budget conscious. He's not showy. He doesn't, you know, throw money around except for he bought a house for his mom near spring training. I'm going to cry. Oh my God. That's so sweet. So his parents are not together. There's like seven kids. His parents are not together. He bought a car for each of his parents and one for himself. And from then on, everything else was, I got a budget. I got a budget. Uh-huh. It was like, everybody in my family sacrificed for me. I need to say thank you. I need to get something nice to say thank you. And now, okay, now now back to our regularly scheduled program, right? So can I just point out that Potty Mouth just had a beer <laughs> magically appear? Her tech support is so much better than mine. I'm sorry. So much it, better it than just, mine. It, poof, if we were to just like have been filming our little squad cast screen, there would just be a beer just coming in off the side. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So anyway, so Dominic's debut, his his uh his debut was August 2017 near Players Weekend, and the nickname they gave him was Medium Hurt. You know, Big Hurt, right, Frank Thomas? Oh, they, they, they decided he was Medium Hurt That's because so he showed cute. up like just in time, so they had to do it fast. So. <laughs> Well, so he went back and forth to the minors a lot during this this whole time. And he, he was having this problem with focus and he wasn't getting a good night's sleep. And they did tests on him and they found out that his sleep apnea was so severe that he would stop breathing like 90 times an hour. And 30 times an hour is severe. That's terrifying. Right. So they get, you know, he got, you know, one of those CPAP machines that, you know, pretty regular treatment for sleep apnea at 23 years old and never looked back. He had energy again. He was getting good night's sleep. That solved the problem. So in 2020, he sort of took over the DH role. Remember when um, Ioana Cespedes opted out in that whole weird situation? Right. Right. So that made room for a DH. So because the whole first base situation with Pete Alonso. So there was space for for Dominic Smith to and his bat. Right. Everybody wanted him for his bat. Um, and he ended up being second in the National League in doubles. And fourth in slugging. And he was a finalist for the Hank Aaron Award, which is the award given for outstanding offense. So given this regular opportunity to play, you know, which he didn't have because of Pete at first, because of who's on first. Yeah. All of a sudden he's, he was really taking off. So now going into this next season, the Mets have two guys who were the top five first basemen in the league. That's (laughs) That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? So there are a lot of debates by sports journalists about what to do. Mm-hmm. Play one, sit the other one. One of the options is keeping Pete at first and uh, putting Dominic in left field so they can keep his bat. So there's so things there are moving pieces. But you know, before this season, the common opinion was, oh, Pete's bat is much better, so we want that in. But then Dominic Smith had this breakout season. So that's not necessarily true anymore that one bat is better than the other. So it's pretty interesting. So now let's go to the philanthropy side of of Dominic Smith, which just blew me away. So let me start with a quote. I didn't grow up with money, so that shit doesn't mean anything to me. If you can give your time, that's the thing that matters. 
So in 2016, right, this is like four years ago, he founded Baseball Generations with two of his friends, which provided free and subsidized camps and travel ball for these kids in his neighborhood, right, in in Los Angeles, because it's so freaking expensive to really get in there and really do all the things you need to do to be seen, right, to get exposure. And he uh, even at that time in 2016, he had guys like Jack Flaherty and J.P. Crawford and Tim Anderson volunteer to help out. Right. This was before Dominic Smith was Dominic Smith. This was just a good idea that a, that a baseball player had. Right. Wow. And the other guys like, you know, right. This is really, really important. So now it's much bigger than just the, than the camps and the travel ball it includes a charitable foundation. Um, one of the things they do is they help teach kids how to handle the media. So when you are getting recruited, like, how do you, like, how, wow. how does that process go? Like things that these kids have no exposure to, because maybe they're going to schools where the recruiters don't go. So the coaches don't even have that experience. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah. they're really trying to build like all of the things that you don't get if you are not coming from some level of privilege. And he said, what I want kids to know is quote, they're not worth anything less than any other kid. So impressive. We talked about Dominic Smith back in August because the day of the Jacob Blake shooting, that was when a lot of professional sports shut down, but baseball was a little slow on the draw there. Mm -hmm. He knelt during the national anthem. Nobody else did anything with the Mets, right? After After the game, they asked him to participate in a press conference, talk about things. And that was the one that was tearful and so heartfelt that it got played everywhere. And one of the things that he said that really struck a lot of folks was people still don't care. People still don't care. And he was feeling bad about his team because he felt like they were sort of brushing things off. Mm -hmm. But his words really struck them. And the next day, the team had a meeting said, you you know, his words mattered. They had meaning. What can we do? We didn't know what to do. And they were, you know, a day late and dollar short, but they showed up. Right. And so that was the night that that they they all came out to the field for the national anthem. They had 42 seconds of silence. They left a Black Lives Matter shirt on home plate and they walked away. So he's walking the walk. Wow. He's showing up. He's speaking his mind and his bat rocks. So he's kind of covering a lot of things. And I would love to sit and talk with Dominic Smith. Coffee, beer, I don't care. I just think he's freaking amazing as a human. That is amazing. I was thinking we should write to Steve Cohen and say he should match the funds. I mean, come on, rich, you know, owners need to support shit like that. He should totally be backing his player. All right, we'll move over to the American League with the Angels. And I get to pick a guy that I can't believe I haven't picked before. I had to like keep checking to make sure I hadn't. Jose Iglesias, <laughs> shortstop, 30 years old, my theme. I have had my eye on him since he was a Red Sox. I adored him when he was on the Red Sox, and I didn't even realize how brief it was. But it was he has the sexiest defense, really, really good. And I'll I'll get into that a little bit more. But first, the he might be religious. I'm not sure. But his last name, Iglesias, means uh, Iglesia is church in Spanish. So I have the church connection. I see what you did there. Just looking for one more thing. He's actually taking the place of the guy that I picked last year. Was it last year? It's all blending together. I actually think it was two years ago. Endrelton Simmons. uh, That was in my Curacao year, whenever that was, who is a free agent and an expensive one. 
And the angels didn't want to pay that. So I've got another theme there. I'm going for like these like bargain basement deals. So they got Jose Iglesias from the Baltimore Orioles. And he was only here. I didn't get to see him. That's really sad. I remember thinking when he went to the O's, I'll be excited to see him. And then 2020, damn, he was only there for a year. Um, So he did that in exchange for two prospects because the O's are that kind of team. He's from Cuba. So this is a very familiar story that we have told many times about players from Cuba, but I will say it once again. He was a star in Cuba since he was nine years old. He was on the national team every year since he was nine years old. At age 18, when he was on the national team in 2008, they had an international tournament in Canada and he defected. And he, the only people who knew were his father and the teammate who he defected with and his father, because his father went with him. So the teammate, he defected with the teammate and the teammate's father. I guess his father wasn't on the trip. He didn't tell his mother, though. I can't imagine that as a mom. But he knew how upset and worried she would be. So he didn't tell her, oh, my God, 18 years old. That just sounds like such a baby. So they crossed the border and... I guess Cubans kind of know where to go, you know, you, especially in the baseball community. There's an agent who kind of worked with the system, brought him to the DR as one does, established his residency in the DR, and then he got scouted while he was doing the DR baseball thing. And he was scouted by the Red Sox. So yay for us. And he got a $6 million bonus. So right away, it paid off. And it doesn't for many of them. But luckily for Jose, it did on $8.25 8. And actually, but here's the key, like how I'm looking for the sign that he's my guy. <laughs> he, he signed with the Red Sox on my kid's birthday, not actual birth birthday, but the, the date of my kid's birth in 2009. And then also, I'm an, I'm an English teacher. I teach English to immigrant students. He was a very good English student. He made it his point to learn English quickly. And his English is really, it's very, very fluent. He worked on it with his teammates in the minors. And he said he also watched movies. So I guess that would put me out of work if he could say that he could do it without a teacher. But power power to him. He stunned me when he was with the Red Sox in 2018 at age 21. And he only played 10 games, which I, I still can't believe. And then the next year, he struggled with his bat. It was the lowest average of his career at 118, but it was only 25 games. So all in all, he did not have that much field time with the Red Sox. But I remember him being adored because his glove was just so flashy. But once again, you don't give up on a guy on and he didn't have that many plate appearances. So, you know, to give up on a guy that quickly was a bad move for the Red Sox. He went to the Tigers and in the very next year, his average went up to 303. He had to take 14 off, not his idea because of shin stress fractures. And then he was with the Tigers for three more years from 15 to 18 a little bit of philanthropy stuff. He was very active with a group called uh, Somos Una Voz, which was started by JLo and Mark Antony for hurricane relief stuff. And he was active in the Puerto Rican hurricane relief. He was with the Reds in 2019, where he got his first two Grand Slams and the Heart and Hustle Award. So pretty good there. He probably got the heart and hustle because he worked with a, he did a, his first pro camp. So he did a youth baseball camp in Cincinnati for boys and girls in grades one through eight. 
The other cool thing about his time with the Reds is that he had Baby Shark walk up for his son. 2019, <laughs> Baby Shark walk up for his son. We know another guy who had a Baby Shark walk up for his son. Yeah, we do. We miss him. Yeah. And, you know, and if the Red Stadium didn't do what we did, then that's just like, that's not cool for the Reds fans. So, yeah, to the Orioles in 2020, which he really thought was like his team of fate, because actually when he was a boy in Cuba was that year that they had the international exchange game with the the Orioles and and the Cuban team. And he was in the stands in Havana when the Orioles played there. And he thought that the little bird on the cat was cool. So he traded a baseball with a kid who had an O's hat, and that was his first baseball hat. Oh, there's some fate right there. Like That is pretty cool. Um, He did really well with the O's last year, despite, again, limited plate appearances, because not only was it a fucking short season, but he was also injured. So he had 24 games at short, 15 as DH because of his strained quad. But according to StatCast, he was the best defensive shortstop, well, you know, given those limited games, with outs above average. Whatever, however you call calculate that. Um, and he... He went into 2020 with a lifetime average of 273, so had been substantially better since his Red Sox days, and then raised it by 100. So in 2020, his average was 373. Whoa. Yeah. The funniest weird stat about him that year is that he was hit by a pitch four times and walked only three. So (laughs) yeah. Go figure. He is a good guy. He did the, I mean, remember those t-shirts that Bank of America did with the Boys and Girls Club and every every team had a player that worked with a designer to do their design and it was all for a good thing for Boys and Girls Club. So he did that for 2020. So I want to check that out. He has a fun energy on social media. He sings and dances and he's a family guy. He has lots of family pictures, his wife Arlene, and he has two sons and a daughter. Very nice. Very nice. I'm going to tell you about Joe Adele, who had a crappy 2020 season. I mean, so bad. Oh, wow. We're so breaking bad. the mold there. But but he has glimmers of genius and also the biggest heart and the most generous soul. Oh, oh. my God. Just wait. Just buckle up. Okay. So he plays. Okay. So here's another one for you. Angels, center field. Who plays oh. center field? Right. What, so, why are you doing this? That's wild. You're picking like the positions. Well, here we go. So, you know, as you know, Mike Trout has been center field for the Angels for, you know, like a decade now. And Joe Adele comes along and more about Mike Trout in about a minute and a half. But so he's he didn't play right field. He, he's learning right field very quickly if he uh-huh. wants to play at the same time as Mike Trout. Anyway, so he uh, Joe Adele is from Louisville. He went to Ballard High School. His mom is a high school principal. His dad is a former football player uh, from North Carolina State and then also briefly for the New Orleans Saints. But the athlete that inspired him the most is his big sister, who was an All-American softball player and also um, ran track. Actually, I think she threw, threw javelin. So, yeah, so her track wow. was javelin. But apparently javelin. she is like crazy. She was like the best athlete in the family. Joe's, you know, his motivation was, I got to catch her. I got to be that good too. All right. So he started playing baseball when he was seven and the ballpark that the seven-year-olds played in had an, like an elevated parking lot 
out in the, you know, past the outfield, which is not a big deal for when you're playing with seven-year-olds, except for Joe Adele could hit homers into that elevated parking lot over the at fence. seven. At seven. And the first time wow. he did that, his dad wasn't at the game because he's on a business trip. And his dad was so mad that he missed uh. that. He vowed never to miss another game, which I believe he was able to keep until well into high school, which is pretty dang good when you're starting at age seven. He was so good that the University of Louisville offered him a scholarship when he was 14. We want you to commit now as a 14-year-old to go to the University of Louisville. He, as a senior, he led the entire country in home runs for, you know, high school players with 25. He batted 560 his senior year. And his big sister said, I'm so proud of you. But remember this, I batted 590 in my last year. (laughs) Good for her. I want to look her up. So back to Mike Trout, he actually helped scout Joe Adele because the Angels had sort of like a draft, you know, practice to like, you know, preview a bunch of a bunch of players. And this was back when Mike Trout had thumb surgery. So he was bored, silly, had nothing to do. So he just kind of wandered over to the ballpark and hung out with the scouts and said, that guy. Mm -hmm. That guy. It was clear that that guy, Joe Adele, was the best of the whole cr- group that was there. So he's been sort of mentoring him ever since, and especially this year in the short season when they actually played together. So anyway, so he was drafted in the first round of 2017 out of high school with a $4.3 million signing bonus. bonus. So I just found this show on Netflix because of looking up Joe Adele. There's a show that I would never watch in a million years. It's called Dropping Cash. <laughs> and basically... It looks like its reason for being is so people can say, what the hell, when people who don't come from money get a bunch of money and go shopping, which I find kind of appalling. Yeah. So Joe Adele was profiled like right after he was drafted, right? So he's, you know, just out of high school in 2017. And so there's like this 10 minute bit on him. So I watched it and I love him so much because he was taking none of this crap. Right. So we start out in his apartment and he's getting a haircut from the barber who comes to him because now he's got money. And he was kind of so here's our only grooming moment today, possibly. Oh, wow. He, he said, when the beard gets out of whack, Joe gets out of whack. <laughs> right. So he got kind of cleaned up, but nothing extreme, just looking, looking good. And then he went shopping and they took him to a guy who is like a stylist, right, to celebrities and they keep trying to put these very flashy clothes on him with the fur and the spangles. And he's like, no, no. Like, and he wants to look good. He wants to kind of have identifiable style because he's one of these guys who says, why do basketball players get to have all the fun? Why do we, you know, why do we care about them as humans? Why do we know everything about them? Why do we identify them and not baseball players so much? So he wants to kind of, you know, he's one of those guys who's trying to change that. So he wants, to, you know, he wants a look. He wants a thing. So he can be one and he wants to represent, right? He wants to be someone that, that these kids, you know, hold that thought, can look up to. He's actually looking at price tags as they're trying things on him. He's like, no, no. And like and he ends up with these great looking clothes, which look very much like him, but it's not ridiculous. And it was a lot of money for him, probably not a lot of money compared to what people normally spend there. And it's like, Look at that. He's like, he's reasonable. He is not like going out of his mind with like throwing, you know, throwing dollar bills around. He did buy himself a Mercedes, a used one. He got a used one. He did did get his dad a new car. He did get his dad a new car, but he got himself a used Mercedes. So, okay. So 
as part of the show, he actually also said that one of his goals, like he wants to make baseball available and convenient and make financial barriers a non-issue. Cause he was talking about like kids play basketball because all you need are like shoes and the ball. Right. And we've talked right. about this before. Right. But he wants that the equivalent of that to be available for kids who want to want to play baseball. So he hosted his first free baseball camp before he even started rookie ball. Wow. So how young is that's like his first year, like the first off season after he got signed, he already started this camp that they hosted at the high school that he went to in Louisville in December of 2018. So just after that 2018, right? He's only, how old is he now? What did I say? He's like super young right now. 21 or something. Yeah. 21, 21. right now. Okay. So, but in 2018, he announced his foundation. Wow. The Joe Adele Foundation in Louisville, where the tagline is work hard, be kind, give back. It's a family foundation. So they started doing things like partnering with organizations that were giving away dinners for Thanksgiving, you know, in, in Louisville. This year they gave they provided dinner for a thousand families in Louisville. So there's equipment donations, there's scholarships. The thing that I like the best is he's trying to use this foundation to get volunteers to get residents to get citizens to come up with ideas to fix what they see around them and then lead that with his funding so he's got this one program called academic challenge where kids like good students propose projects they do this like six week long program to figure out how to do these plans they propose projects and then if he decides to fund them they lead the project so wow. he's like, he's growing, cool. he's growing this whole grassroots thing. It's really very cool. It's very cool. So that's, that's kind of like, it, it, this is how he grew up. This is what he's doing. He's giving back in the same, it's the same thing. It's like, I need to be there. People need to see my face and say, oh, look, people, I look like you. I can do this too. And now I have a, a pipeline. I have a way yeah. to learn how to do this too. He played in the futures games in 2018 and 2019. Remember that university of Louisville scholarship that he turned down he started taking classes in the off season because he wants to be prepared for a career after baseball, which is cool. His dad has had a go bag packed in his car ever since his kids started in the minors waiting for his call up. So he could be ready to just like go to the airport or go wherever he needed to go. And of course that happened this year. So his dad couldn't go. And his dad said, I would give anything in the world to be in Seattle, but he had like dish TV. He had MLB TV on his laptop and he had his phone fired up. He was not going to miss his kids his debut, right? But even if oh he couldn't be God. there. Right? Yeah. So he debuted in August. He had a terrible season. He was one of these guys that we've talked about that got called up um, because there was no minor league season. We talked about that with Ryan Mountcastle. He probably wouldn't have been called up just yet, but they needed him to get reps. They needed him to start playing. So they called him up. And so he didn't have a great season. We talked about him this summer because of the Conseco error. <laughs> he was the guy where the ball bounced like off of his head over the wall, right? So, I mean, how horrifying is that? But apparently Mike Trout went up to him right afterwards and like talked him down from the, the precipice after that horrible error because, you know, bad things happen when you're new at this and you have yeah. to learn how to get past this. And right. One of the less right. lessons from his dad was if you have a bad day, figure out why and fix it. Don't just let it spit out into more bad days. And so- Later on, September 5th versus the Astros, he robbed George Springer of a home run, homered, a it, homered a little bit later in the game, and then hit the walk-off two-run single. So nice. he has these flashes of, this is who this guy's going to be, but he's not there yet. Even Joe Madden says, he just needs a normal year. Give him a normal year and some more time in the minors. And I think he's going to be, he could still, he could start 
he could start in right field on opening day. They don't know that yet, but he needs some seasoning yet. But oh my God, the 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 foundation this guy has for being a good human is immense. And I'm really excited about that. I did not know that when I got started. So I'm really happy. I am really happy with Joe Adele. I hope for good things for him. Next week, Royals and Phillies. We may have a SmackDown about Royals boyfriends. I don't know. We'll talk later. Oh, so much excitement to look forward to. (laughs) But you know what? Y'all can watch baseball right now. If one more fucking person posts something with like sad eyes about missing baseball, I'm going to have a fit because I was just watching baseball. I was just watching three games of baseball, two in Lidom and then one in Nicaragua. So Lidom playoffs are going on right now. We left you last week when my Leones were hanging on by a thread and that thread has broken and they are gone. So, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's a little bit sad. So right now the um, Aguilas Sibenas are playing the Toros del Este and the the Estrellas Orientales are playing the Gigantes de Cibao. So there's lots of Lots of people that you know who are playing in these games right now. I just watched, you know, my my ba- boyfriend Jamer Candelario. There's also Fernando Tatis and and Cano are both still on the Estrellas and Guzman, actually, who we talked about last week too. Ronald Guzman is still raking in the Gigantes. So just watch this baseball. It's so much fun. And the other thing I want you to do is to send. Cespedes barbecue your money. We will post their link, but I made the best investment of $5 that I possibly could have this season. I give them five bucks and I got this like 70 page uh, analysis of all the players in lead on. And this again, it's including a lot of people who, you know, now they just put out a supplement for the playoffs. So it's a playoff prediction thing. It, it, it looks into all the players again. They don't ask for any more money, but I will definitely send them another five bucks because they raised $2,600 on the first go round and they pledged to match that with 2,500 of their own. So they have over $5,000 right now going to one project boomstick, which is your, your former boyfriend, Nelson Cruz's organization that helps with youth sports at, Youth Sports Access in the Dominican, and also the Paloma Project, which is through the Mercy Workshop. It's a women's shelter in San Pedro in the Dominican Republic, and it was recommended to them by a personal friend who actually lives there. So money is going to good places, and you're getting fun to read. I mean, they're very tongue-in-cheek. They're great uh, information about what's going on right now. It's still, you know, you could do 20 bucks for the month if you haven't already, or it's just a couple bucks a game. If you want to catch one, there is more baseball to be had Puerto Rico, sort of. So the Liga baseball profesional Roberto Clemente in Puerto Rico had four teams all season. They're in their semifinals with four teams. So they just kind of reseeded them. So the first and last place are playing and then the middle two are playing sort of. So we know that sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so here's where the dig just came in, I think today. So um, RA12 that we've been rooting for, that's Roberto Alomar's sort of rookie uh, team has been very rookie. They won two games and it's, it's really at the end. It came down to the end for them to win the first game. They won two games in the regular season, although the second one they scored 11 runs on. So they're they're getting there. But now they're playing the first place Criollos de Caguas. So I don't know how much longer they'll last. They are playing this week as opposed to the other 
playoff uh, pair, which is the Indios de Mayagüez and the Atenienses de Manati. They're suspended because of COVID. And actually, this is the first COVID suspension in Puerto Rico. They've made it the whole season without something like this. Um, Unfortunately, there's not a lot of information right now, but a tip of the hat to Edwin Hernandez on Twitter. Definitely follow him if you want anything about what's going on with the Liga Roberto Clemente. Um, And he's sent us this information, and I, I appreciate him thinking of us and sending it to us directly. Uh, Oh, one more thing, actually, that he posted that you will appreciate about the Puerto Rican Baseball League. The last time that there was a non-Puerto Rican-born player, but American, so from this part, I'm I'm like pointing up at a map here, the upper 48, as you would say. Right, that's right. (laughs) So Puerto Rico's (laughs) down here. The rest of it's up here. It's a guy from the big part up there. Anyway, the last one to win the batting pit championship in the league was Mike Yeh Taylor in 2013 with the Indios de Mayagüez. And yeah, we might've been just referring to him a little bit earlier. So we might've been, we might hear more about Michael A next week from one or the other of us. (laughs) So somebody's got a head start with this information. He batting champion title, last one, U.S. born, not Puerto Rico. A Venezuelan baseball is happening now. They're not in their playoffs yet. It's going to be there on the 10th, but I believe you can watch it for free. I don't think I paid anything. I clicked on baseball play. I'll put the the link in the notes, but I clicked on it and I was watching Venezuelan baseball. I'm very excited that the Cardinales, who I hadn't been following, they're they're in first place in the West League, but everybody else is behind by like a half a game. So I hope that things will go well. I had a cosmic connection with the Cardinales because one of their top pitchers, like, well, he's the third one. Three of three of their pitchers are in the top five for all of the league. But Logan Darnell, who I last saw in July when he was pitching in Taiwan for my Taiwan Lions, the Uni Lions in Taiwan, and he left the Lions before the season break because he had a kid. And he wanted to be there for the birth of his child. I am very happy he found that to be more important than baseball. But it's good to see him in uh, Venezuela now. Last but not least, Australia. The Blue Sox are not playing. So we talked about my 10 bucks last week. You know yeah. how my 10 yeah. bucks are being spent now? So for, for those of you, go just go back and listen to last week. But I spent 10 bucks trying to watch fucking Manny Reamers play baseball. Still not happening. But the Blue Sox can't play because of COVID, because Sydney Beaches have some COVID thing going on. They played like two games and the other team had to leave the area before they you know, put in the roadblocks because they were restricting travel. And they just haven't played since then. So Manny theoretically was going to play. He didn't play the exhibition game. I don't know what the fuck. He's, he's having fun with Rachel Balkovich. Both of their Instagrams are the things to follow because they're just like hiking and going out to dinner and hanging it. They're buddies. It's adorable. And, and that's what you paid for? Their dinners? Well, their hike? They're, they're so, like, you know, they're park. No. So my, my, my 10 bucks went to sports flick, which flick is just the, you just don't want that in the title of your name. Because if you put it in all caps, it's gonna look like fuck from a distance. It's just the wrong. So sports flick has my $10. And the way they want to make it up to me is they are streaming me Nicaraguan baseball. So that was the third of the three games that I was watching before our show with English commentary that is very lukewarm. Don't spend 10 bucks 
follow Perth Heat, like I suggested before. They're on YouTube. Yeah. And that is all the international baseball that I'm going to talk about this week. That's just a lot of hijinks Mm -hmm. and whatnot happening there. Sure. Wow. Sure. So, I mean, you're not just getting baseball. You're also getting bonus hijinks. So see, see, (laughs) all year round. All year round. Oh, my God. So, wow. So we're entering like the first full week of the new year. Um, We live very close to your nation's capital. So I think we're kind of a little curious about if we're going to be overrun by crazy violent people in the next couple of days. We're hoping not. Um, So if if that doesn't happen, you know, we'll be back next (laughs) week. If it does happen, we may be hunkered down even more, even more hunkering than we are currently doing. We, We will broadcast to you from our bunker. (laughs) <laughs> broadcast from the I feel like that's what we've been doing <laughs> yeah, a little right. bit just a little as bit as but we, we won't be wheel the kegerator down to the bunker we'll be okay oh damn so you win the you win the bunker story I have no kegerator maybe you can get one last walk-in one last one last oh, delivery yeah. in oh my god oh my god well for you guys if you're not watching the news every second to see if democracy will make it through this week feel free to listen to some back episodes of no crying in baseball tell your friends about us if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball leave a review or rating if you get a chance and please find us on social media because we can do that from the bunker please do hang out with us on twitter at ncib podcast facebook and instagram at no crying in b-ball excellent and until then please wash your hands keep your distance stay away from downtown washington dc this week and until next time say good night potty mouth good night potty mouth Good luck to us. Here we go. All right.